This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe 9 book set and The Crime Cafe Anthology are on sale at all major online retailers for $1.99 and 99 cents, respectively. So just go to my website, debbiemack.com, that's D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com, and uh, click on Crime Cafe, and you'll find the links for the books as well as how to subscribe to this podcast. And with that, I'd like to um, introduce now, it is with great pleasure, in fact, that I introduce now my guest, Dave White, the highly acclaimed Dave White. (laughs) Thanks Hello. for being here, Dave. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while. We've been talking about this for a while, so this is nice. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you could be here because I've seen you so often at conferences, and I'm such a shy person. I don't know why I don't know. didn't just walk up to you and say, hi, Dave. <laughs> I'm Debbie. I'm shy, too. I, 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 it takes a lot for me to introduce myself to people, so I, I kind of I get it. I understand. So, <laughs> hi, Debbie. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hi. And you're from New Jersey, and I'm originally from New York, so that's oh, all so the more reason why we should know each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. So um, you're the author of a six-book so far series, correct? The Jackson Dunn books? Right. There are five Jackson Dunn books and one standalone called Witness to Death. Oh, okay. That's a Jackson yeah. Dunn also then. No, Witness to Death is a standalone. Wait, now i got to count my books. <laughs> there it's six books total and and five done okay five yeah. five done done five done, done. done. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about uh, the character jackson dunn um jackson dunn is a a oh, we can go through a long history here he's a, a former private investigator um he had he was in the first novel when one man dies he was a private investigator mourning the death of his fiance and asked to solve uh, a hit and run where one of his uh, close drinking buddies was killed. And from there, the series kind of grew because Dunn clashed with his former cop partner, Bill Martin uh, several times throughout the series. And, and Martin kind of became an arch enemy for a couple of the books and since then, Martin took Dunn's private eye license, got it taken away. Dunn kind of became a freelancer and tried to go back to college. And he was very much like, uh, uh, you know, they pull me back in. You know, every time he thinks he's out of the private eye or the, the crime business, he pu- he gets pulled back in. Um, he's been on the run to Vermont at one point. He was in prison. Uh, he's had quite the... Uh, Quite the five book life. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, I was yeah. going to ask you about his uh, his journey as a character. It sounds like he's had a rather rough one. I yeah. did notice right away his fractious relationship with the uh, police. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it that caused that rift between himself and the police? Um, in the books, Dunn was a, a narcotics uh, agent with there was a New Brunswick Police Narcotics. Uh, committee, I guess you would call it, um, as part of the police force. And they were corrupt. They were stealing drugs. They were doing drugs. They were um, 
skimming money off the top anytime they busted someone up. And what Dunn finally realized was he was going down this dark hole. He became a drug addict, that sort of thing. So he turned in the narcotics force, everybody except his partner, Bill Martin, who he kind of let off easy. He kind of destroyed the narcotics force, but Martin was able to keep his job. The rest of them went to prison um, and Dunn left and became a private investigator. Um, So that's kind of what started it because now all the cops kind of hate him for, for turning in these guys, but at the same, and Martin really holds a grudge because even though he got off easy and Dunn thought he was doing him a favor, um, Martin really resents Dunn for what he did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to write this, these stories? Um, I guess I, the first Dunn novel actually came out in like 1990, not novel, story came out in 1999 um, with the Thrilling Detective website that's run by Kevin Burton Smith. Um, it's a great website if you haven't checked it out. But that first story, um, I was reading Dennis Lehane, Robert Crace, and a ton of Robert Parker, and I wanted to try my own hand at it. And I was actually in college, and I had taken a creative writing fiction class and tried writing the first Dunn story. And it kind of went from there. Hmm. Wow. So the uh, the character is not based on anybody or any incident in particular? No, I think Dunn at the beginning of the series is very, very much the archetypical private investigator. You know, mourning the death of his fiance, drinking too much, that sort of thing. And when I started to realize that as I wrote When One Man Dies, I, I tried to... Um, really take him away from that and kind of make him his own kind of person. Um, so he's not so much that archetypical, you know, that prototype private investigator. So I think by now he's really not. Um, <laughs> but at the time it was just, I want to write a private eye story. This is what I know about private eye stories. This is what I like about private eye stories mm-hmm. kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the question is, what what can you use to set a private eye apart from all the others out there? And so I'm always very interested in hearing how people do that. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's interesting because I had actually written uh, George Pelicanos a um, long time ago through email. When I was in college, I was telling him about writing his private eye story. And I was never thinking about setting it apart from other private eyes. And, and he said in the email... Um, you know, the last thing the world needs is another private eye story. And he was kind of, what he was trying to say was like, write from the heart, you know, write what you know, and that sort of thing. And I wasn't thinking that way at the time, but that line in that email kind of stuck with me as I really started to think a little more deeply about what I was doing with Dunn and um, how I could change who he was and kind of separate him out from the pack. Exactly. And make it organic at the same time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. something that reflects your voice and your outlook on the world and concerns, I assume. Yeah, I think, I think um, there are a lot of, you know, not even past deals with kind of um, New Jersey struggle with pr- uh, public education in a way uh, when Chris Christie took over. Um, uh, and, and then I started playing with a lot of Dunn's past. You know, the, the, the narcotic stuff was never really clearly defined. So I kind of dug into that a little bit. And, and some of my, my thoughts with violence and, and that sort of thing and how violence, you know, affects us. 
Yes. These are all very topical and important issues. And it's the kind of thing I think that can be very well explored in crime writing. How do you feel? Yeah, I I think that's what people do best. The best crime fiction, and and I'm not saying I'm the best crime fiction, um, but, you know, somebody like Laura Lippman looks at a school shooting and does a fantastic job with it. Or or Pelicanos and the way he looks at... um, the streets of Washington D.C. and 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 it's not a political thriller. It's it's a you know hard boiled crime story. You know, and that deals with his concerns and that sort of thing. So, yes, <laughs> that's what I like about them. You know, being from the same area, I can really relate with those stories very well. And I love the way Pelicanos takes D.C. and portrays it as a city as opposed to the capital of the the U.S. Right. I like that about him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Where do you uh, anticipate taking the series in the future? Any thoughts on that? Um, Not at the moment. I'm actually, the last book, Blind to Sin, kind of leaves Dunn and his his on-again, off-again private eye partner, Matt Herrick, who was introduced later in the series, um, kind of in a place where we can take a break from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking to try my hand at some other, uh, standalone, uh, thriller type things. One that I actually wrote about for your blog, um, revising it. I, I'm not even ready to tell you what it's about just because of the revision <laughs> that lies in front of me, but I want to take a look at some things in history that I've always been interested in. Um, the shark attacks of 1916 is something I want to write about eventually, you know, so I'm taking a little bit of a break from Dunn. For now, we'll we'll see where he and, and the rest of the kind of side characters in the series are when I'm ready to come back. But for right now, I, I, I needed a mental break because the series got very dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to do that. Yes. Do something different, kind of cleanse your mental palate, so to speak. Yeah, I'm trying to write a fun book. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. I would love to write yeah. something comedic. Yeah. But um, so. uh, let's see. I was going to ask you, uh, thrillers, Do you, how do you go about um, writing a thriller as opposed to like a mystery series? How do you approach that? Um, I have had uh, a lot of trouble with standalones. Um, I think it's because with the series and with Dunn, I know him so well that I can kind of anticipate his moves and kind of fill in the other characters around him. So I can write those books without outlining and without a you know not 10 revisions but like three or four drafts where I'm happy with it um my standalones have become massive rewrites every time uh witness to death I think I took two years to rewrite and it's mostly because I have to figure out who the main character is Mm. and and that takes me a while to learn this new character a lot of times who I think he or she is in the first draft is not who they are in the last draft. Um, And that was certainly true with witness to death. And now I'm kind of going through that with the book I'm working on now. It hasn't strayed as far as witness to death did witness to death was supposed to be a funny little spy novel and it turned into, to an action packed, you know, thriller. Uh, The book I'm working on now, the vision is still there the the structure is still there. I just have to figure out the main character and and get him to work the way we're we're happy with. You know, kind of figure out who he is. Not get him to work. I don't want to say I'm shoving him into this plot, but you know, figure out the book from who he is. 
Exactly. Sometimes you'll get an idea for a character and you'll want to create a story around them, but you're not sure what that story is. At yeah. Least it looks that way for me sometimes. Yeah, I think that's that absolutely. Story idea, you don't really know the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with both books, I had an idea, kind of like an elevator pitch, and <laughs> and a kind of a, a idea of who the character was, but um, didn't really figure who they were out who they were till the third or fourth draft, which is kind of where I'm sitting right now. How much research do you do before you write or while you're writing? Uh, it depends on the book. Um, some of the d- the done books, the research has kind of happened organically in my life and have uh, inspired the books. Uh, I remember once when I was just before I started working, um, I worked with uh, at a concert and I worked with state troopers and these state troopers had just been to a workshop learning something about criminals and they just couldn't wait to share it with whoever was around. So they told me and my friend about it. I'm like, that's going in the book. Um, (laughs) You know, whereas uh, the book I'm working on now, I've done a whole lot of research into, and I'm still researching um, four drafts in just to get an idea of the world I'm working in. The book I want to write about the shark attacks. uh, I've read two nonfiction books, plenty of, of news articles and Wikipedia and everything just to, get myself in a place to start writing. Uh, So that's, that's kind of the amount of of research I do. Plus I try to read a little bit in the genre, in the thriller genre, in the, the the, the PI genre, something just to get my head right before I start to write. Yes. Yeah. I I know where you're coming from there. Um, I I think I have a general idea, but for the benefit of the listeners, please give me an idea of, the writers who have most inspired you to become a crime writer. Oh, wow. Um, By your style. Yeah. Robert (laughs) B. Parker is probably my, my number one influence. Um, Laura Lippman has always been somebody I've, I've followed for a long time and read everything, you know, she writes, um, uh, uh, Lou Archer, the Lou Archer series, Ross McDonald was somebody I read a lot of and, kind of made some conscious changes to not redo Lou Archer, um, wanted to make my character more a character in the book, but those ideas of family secrets and the past coming back, I think you kind of shines through in my books as well. So I, those three, I think are, are people who really stick out to me. Those are great choices too, because the whole notion of family secrets is so wonderful. It's such a wonderful theme and topic to plumb mm. in the crime fiction area. Yeah, I think you can really mine a lot from from character and secrets, you know. Absolutely, I agree. Um, so tell us about the comic book you're working on. Oh, there's not too much I could say. We're writing, uh, I'm, I've been hired to write a, a book for Dark Circle, the Archie imprint called The Web. Um, and it's about a, a a girl who's who ends up with superpowers. Basically, a New Jersey high school sophomore who ends up with superpowers and saves the world. Um, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why not? And, and that's kind of where we are right now. I'm just kind of waiting to hear back uh, from Dark Circle, and, and and you know we're ready to go. We're just waiting for the go ahead. So there's not much I can say about it other than what's already out there on the internet. 
Well, it sounds like a cool concept. Is this geared toward a younger audience or? I, I think uh, Alex Segura and I kind of view it as um, like a dark young adult novel in a way, you know, something a high school kid could pick up or an adult could pick up and read and get enjoyment out of it kind of thing. If you read the other dark circle stuff, they all kind of do their own thing. Uh, Dwayne Trzynski's Black Hood was like a dark noir crime novel. Um, the Shield by Chuck Wendig and Adam Christopher was like a political thriller. Uh, the Hangman was was uh, a horror story. So I think they're trying to mine different genres and still fit the mold of that realistic uh, superhero tale. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because the young adult crime fiction market is an interesting place to, to get into, I think. Yeah, I mean, you have jo- John Grisham wrote one. Harlan Coben has a series out there. There's a lot of, of crime fiction authors who've, or crime fiction that's out there for um, middle school and high school level kids. That that's fun to read. As a teacher, I've read a like uh, I I love putting books in the hands of the, of students. Those kind of books in the hands of students because it's not. And I think it's not what they expect a lot of times. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, you'll have, you'll have to give me some recommendations after this uh, podcast. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um. You can give me some recommendations now. <laughs> well, I, I can think of the, the Harlan Coben uh, series. It's it's Myron Bolitar's stepson, long lost son. I don't remember exactly. His series is very well done, the Harlan Coben one. And John Grisham's Theodore Boone are the two that, that stick out. It's like Kid Lawyer. Those are the two that stick out that we gave to a lot of students that they really liked. I read that one, actually. The first one, I guess. I don't know if he has any more, but I think there are three of them. Three of them. Okay, yeah, I've read one of them. So okay, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was it was it was fun and it was good. Yeah, and I loved the legal angle, of course. Yeah, <laughs> being a former practitioner. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, if you could pick anybody to play Jonathan, or I'm sorry, Jackson Dunn, in a TV series or movie, who would you imagine playing the oh. part? Oh wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> ten years ago, when the 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 first book came out, we're coming up on the ten year anniversary. We're like sixteen days away. Um, well, congratulations! Or, or eighteen days away. Thank you. Uh, I always pictured like a, a young Ben Affleck who kind of grows into grizzled Ben Affleck, kind of as he has done. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure modern who would be a good fit. Uh, I'm trying to think. This is somebody. I'm forgetting his name. I can see his face and I'm forgetting his name. He was in La La Land. Gosling. Ryan Gosling, uh-huh. um, I think, would have been a good fit a few years ago. He's got that kind of that kind of way to carry himself. Um, but I, there's probably – I always like when, when movie casting goes – with and against type at, as the same at the same time. So like Casey Affleck as Patrick Kenzie, I thought was on the surface, uh, really not a good choice. But once the performance came in, he turned out to be perfect for Patrick um, in Gone Baby Gone. Uh, and I, I think about like Chris Evans was such a silly, you know, the Human Torch, the guy from Not Another Teen Movie. And yet he plays this Captain America now as such a, you know, stand up guy. So there's probably someone out there that I don't 
expect or picture as done that would probably do a really good job at the at the role with the role. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. What about Matthew McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey's a little old, <laughs> or I, I think he's he's a little too grizzled. I think he's 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 a little old. Done is now done is in his thirties. He started out as like a 27, okay. 28 year old. Yeah. 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 He's just a real beat up 35 year old. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to bring things to a close. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, I'll push the, the giveaway again that I wrote about for your blog. Feel free to email me Dave at Dave white books and just enter blind to sin giveaway in the subject line. And uh, we'll pick someone to give the latest done novel to, or maybe a couple people. I think I have a couple copies. So that's the big thing. Blind to Sin is out now from Polis Books. Um, feel free to yay! Feel free to pick up a copy. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Dave. <laughs> All right, thanks, Debbie. Well, sure thing, Dave. It was great talking to you. You too. And, um, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Next time we, we see each other, we won't be too shy to say hello. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the next time I can get to Valtricon. Next yeah, time same here. <laughs> In any case, um, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, before we go, again, just a reminder to check out the Crime Cafe link on my website where you can find the, find the buy links for the Crime Cafe 9 book set and the Crime Cafe short story anthology, as well as the sign-up buttons for to subscribe to this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. And with that, I will simply say thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you in two weeks.